SCP-7160. D is for dermatology. Depending on who you ask, life is not a fair experience. Random cruelties are tossed about onto the unsuspecting and undeserving on a daily basis, and it can be cut short on a moment's notice for no particular reason whatsoever. This concept is only amplified in the SCP universe, where not only can you potentially experience the worst that mundane life can throw at you, you can also get hit with an anomalous horror beyond human reckoning. SCP-7160 is about one such random tragedy, a man afflicted with something that can only be described as horrific, with no one and nothing around to assist him. I'll take the time to mention a warning here before we begin, that this one deals with some pretty hefty stuff that some people may not be comfortable with, including body horror, self-harm, and mutilation. SCP-7160 is listed with the Pending Object class, so even the Foundation isn't really quite sure what to make of it yet. 7160 is the corpse of a 24-year-old adult male, identified as John McAckler, who on July 9th, 2022, was submitted to the Genoveria Health Institute after sustaining life-threatening and self-inflicted injuries across his body. These injuries included deep lacerations across both arms, open wounds along his torso and waist, a dislocated ankle and a complete avulsion of the other foot, bleeding gums and extreme jaw damage from excessive teeth grinding, first degree burns, severe poisoning from cross-contamination of chemical and cleaning products, an empty eye socket, and avulsion of all of his remaining nails. Emergency operations were enacted to save his life, but he was declared deceased after 16 hours, with the cause of death undeterminable so far. Anomalous influences, however, have been presumed since the recovery of John's personal phone. The first addendum of the article contains a long list of all of the various materials on John's phone that point to an anomalous issue, starting with his notes. His notes are addressed to an individual named Shelley, starting with him stating that he still doesn't feel better. He tried the breathing exercises she recommended, and the toe-clenching trick whenever he felt the urge to scratch, but they did absolutely nothing. He just had to rush himself to the ER for a second time this week, and they took one look at him before rushing him inside for treatment. The doctors were picking scabs and dead skin off for hours before lathering him with enough lidocaine to paralyze a horse. They told him that if he scratched any more, he'd be shredding into the actual bone. He knows that Shelley is just trying to do her job, and she's not his doctor, but can't she please do something about this? In the next note, John writes that he woke up this morning to a three-inch millipede crawling inside of his mouth, and could feel its shell swishing around in his spit, and the dry taste of wriggling little legs crawling along his tongue. He actually felt like he was going to retch when it started rubbing against his gums. He had to rush to the bathroom and puke everything out, and grabbed some pesticide in case he needed to hose something down the sink. Of course, nothing came out, just retch and mucus like always. He's sure he has the vomit caked outside of his mouth still, but 
frankly, he doesn't care enough to clean it. It's not worth standing in front of a mirror trying to scrape it all off, as the last thing he wants to find is a tapeworm inside of his eye somewhere while he's wiping his face. In another note, he tells Shelley that he really can't take this anymore, as he's constantly suffering. His co-workers keep telling him to stop biting his nails at work, as it's not hygienic, but they don't understand that he's doing it for a reason. At least the nurses stopped giving him weird glances after he started coming in for burns instead of claw marks. He had to add another few days off from last week's schedule. Everything was fine until he saw the fire ants crawling underneath his skin, and it got so bad that one of the security guards had to restrain him with handcuffs again. Still, he managed to get the rest of them off of him, with a bit of biting and some uncomfortable wriggling, but he thinks their guts are still stuck in between his teeth somewhere. This is yet again another reminder to give this note to Shelley when he sees her again, as he knows that she'll take care of him, like the angel she is. In the next note, he opines that all of the other therapists that he's met don't know anything, as they literally told him that writing about all of this would actually help, about how addressing your problems can help you fight them or whatever. He was ready to believe that garbage, as they just wanted to help, and he wanted nothing more than to stop the itching and to finally wake up without blood seeping down his arms. But they lied to him, as of course it's not that simple. He still wakes up to the same feelings and urges that he's always had, and he swears it's inescapable now. He can't even so much as think without feeling a random urge to swat away spiders crawling up his legs, or a fly going inside his nose. That's not even including all the times he's looked through his clothes and saw the countless fleas and ticks nesting in the fibers. This can't continue, and he has to do something about it. The next note is written in all capital letters, with John writing that they're inside of him again, and asking why do they never stop, before writing, it's biting me, over and over again. In the final note, John writes that he can't keep writing these anymore, as he's way too stressed and tired. His body still won't stop aching, and the stares just keep getting worse. He has to talk to Shelley again as she knows him so much better than everyone else now. In John's scheduled appointments, an automated email was sent from Heartland Counseling and Resilience Center to his email at coolguy69420 at gmail.com, confirming an appointment with one of their specialized counselors. It's dated for June 12th, 2022, at 6pm, with Shelley Lee and John listed his reason for visit as being, There are tiny little insects crawling down my esophagus and burying tunnels inside my organs. The claw marks are getting worse, and I swear nobody else seems to understand. They don't stop existing just because you say they're fake. Based on the previous appointment history, John went to Heartland Counseling at least 11 other times, with messages including that he feels them again, they're in his ears, nobody understands, and he's hurting himself again. We're then given his sent voicemails, all of which are to the Heartland Counseling and Resilience Center. In the first one, he calls about changing the counselor for his upcoming meeting, from someone named Rahim to Shelley. Apparently, he fat-fingered when making the selection on screen. 
He later calls again about making sure that they change the counselor for his meeting, as he doesn't know Rahim, and doesn't think it would be a good idea if he saw him. The next voicemail has him thanking them for making that change he requested, but he's interrupted by going to the bathroom to make sure he wasn't scratching too much. That's the reason he's been trying to get a meeting in again, and he just wanted to call to see if Shelly was around, as she was going to help him. Later he calls them again, this time swearing and saying that he's called them like five or six times now and none of them ever reach out. They can't just keep calling him at like 2pm, as he's busy dealing with problems he can't even fix on his own. It wouldn't even be that bad if they just picked up their phones, but no, he has to keep suffering until someone calls him back. He just needs to talk to Shelly, he's sick of asking, he just needs someone who understands. He's not trying to be creepy, he just needs help from someone. In the last voicemail, he says that he'll be in at 4 tomorrow, and he expects to see a supervisor when he arrives. We're then given some recorded audio memos, featuring conversations between John and Shelley. John asks if it's okay if he records this, for his sake, and Shelley tells him whatever helps him is fine. Shelly says that she heard he had some trouble reaching them, and she's really sorry about that, but John says it's okay now, as long as he can actually speak with someone. Shelly says that she was looking at her record again, and saw that he scheduled this because he's feeling his symptoms again, and asks if he's been taking the medication prescribed to him. He says that he has, but it's not working. When she asks how it's not working for him, John begins yelling in incredulity, asking how can she not see them, as they're everywhere now. He says that he's showing her and scratching them off right now, but she tells him to calm down, as she doesn't see anything. She'd like to help, but she needs him to try and calm down if he wants to continue, so he does. Shelley then says that they should take a quick break, and steps out of the room. When she comes back, John thanks her for calming him down, and asks if she really can't see them either. She says that she can't, and she won't be able to. She asks him how they exist to him, and what they appear like. He says that he sees them as many things, often ants, large ones with big meaty jaws. Sometimes he sees spiders and worms as well, but really the worms only appear in the light, right underneath his eyes. She asks if it hurts, to which he says that it sort of depends, and he doesn't really know how to explain it. It depends on his mood, or what he's seen, and spiders hurt the most, especially when they bite down. Shelley asks if this is separate from his injuries, and if he feels this pain even in spots where he's not hurt. John replies that he doesn't know, and after a brief moment of silence as Shelley goes through some papers, she asks if he sees them right now. He admits that he doesn't, as it's hard for him to find them when he's actively looking sometimes. She then says that they'll pause again, and steps out of the room. When she returns, she tells John that she can see that he's bothered, and asks if he can explain why. John sighs, and says that he's living a life where everyone tells him that his mind is wrong. Everywhere he goes, everything he does, it's always the same. He knows his reality is real, and he knows that what he sees aren't just illusions, as he's never not been able to trust his eyes. 
Then one day you wake up and people tell you to ignore all of that and to pretend like nothing is happening with him. It's frustrating and exhausting and he's tired of having to attend these appointments, of making notes in his phone to keep his thoughts away from the slugs and centipedes crawling up his nose. He's then interrupted mid-sentence, as he points out that there's something between his index fingers, about the size of his palm, brown and clinging to the side of his finger. It has two massive pincers in the front, and four legs around its abdomen. It's far too large to be a beetle, and he thinks that it might be a water bug. John begs Shelley to help him, and she assures him that it'll be alright, as she gets up and opens a drawer in her desk. She comes back with a small mirror, and asks him to point out exactly where the bug is. When she holds up the mirror to it, and asks him if it's reflecting in the mirror, he stops talking. She says that this is what she's seen right now, and there's no bug there. When she asks if he sees one in the mirror, he hesitates and pauses, and says that he doesn't see it anymore. He sighs in relief and asks how she just did that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We move on then to John's text messages, starting with messages shortly after that last appointment. John is texting Shelly for the first time, and he thanks her for the help today, as whatever magic she did really worked. She asks if he's taken his medication, which he has, and tells him to let her know if he needs anything else. He says that he does, and asks how did she know that the bug would disappear. She admits that she didn't know that it would, and had no idea what would happen, but she's glad it helped. John asks if there's a more permanent solution for the bugs, as it would make it easier to sleep, and she tells him that the medication will help as long as he's taking it. He says that he really did take it, but he's not so sure. Later, John texts her again, saying that he knows she's working, but there's something on his mind. Back in the session, she asked him a question and he never got to finish his answer. She assumes he's talking about how exhausted he is, and says that he can speak his mind, but after this they'll need to schedule another appointment if he needs to discuss this further. John meanders a bit before coming to his point, saying that it sucks being the only one who feels this way. Shelley responds that she can understand that feeling, and says that there's a lot of people like him, and a lot of other people who feel that way too. John says that he guesses so, but having someone who can bridge that gap and help him is all he wants followed by a few ellipses and a question mark. Shelley replies that they should try and keep the rest of their conversations in the office. Despite this, John later texts her again, and says that he felt bad about the last messages and wanted to apologize. She thanks him for the apology and says that it's fine. He then asks if they're still good for this Saturday, as he has a lot on his mind again. She'll need to check with her schedule, and he thanks her again for all of her help. 
He asks if she has a place for reviews, and she says that he can review her company, and if he wants to leave something about her, that's fine, and she can't stop him from doing that. He says that he just wanted to show his gratitude and appreciation, giving her a 5 star rating for being 5 stars. He then says that that was stupid, followed by the dreaded, please respond. Shelley responds that she's going to have to kindly ask him to stop texting her, to which he says, okay. Later John texts her again, asking her to please respond as the bugs are back. She asks if he's taken his meds today, and he says that they don't work, there's so many, and he needs her help. She replies that their appointment is not until tomorrow and asks if he can't wait until then. He says no, that she doesn't get it, and that he just blinked and saw a bunch of termites disappear from his glass. He's scratching himself to the bone now and needs her help, saying that he's going to die. She tells him that if he needs emergency help to contact the police, and she'll even do it for him if he wants. He says that they won't believe him, and he needs her to bring her mirror and come to his house right now promising her that it will be worth it. At this point, she tells him again to stop texting her. John says that he's begging her to bring her mirror, and he can feel them digging into his cheeks and tearing apart his toes. Shelley replies that she's contacting the police, and they can help him. John continues to text, asking her why she keeps refusing to help him, saying that he's in pain right now. Shelley sends two last messages stating that she's blocking this number and to not come near her. John then swears at her, saying that he knew she was a lying scumbag and she'll regret this. The final piece of media from John's phone is a video recording, showing John pacing frantically from one side of a room to another, standing in front of a sofa and TV showing the news with no audio. John whispers frantically as he continues pacing, then stops mid-step, followed by another mutter and the word Shelley before grabbing his temples. He mutely yells in apparent pain as he begins to profusely scratch his arms, and ragged marks appear along the surface of his flesh. He remains frozen in place as the bare and scarred skin becomes red from the friction, and blood begins dripping down from his elbows onto the floor. He wipes sweat off his brow before stripping, showing several jagged cuts and bruises on his upper torso, as well as severely bleeding human bite marks along his thighs. He then moves out of the camera's view before returning with a chef's knife, a metal fork and spoon, cleaning disinfectant, a large pot of boiling water, and a pair of slip-joint pliers. He throws them across the floor haphazardly before looking back at the camera with a wide grin. He mouths another comment before grabbing the chef's knife and sliding it across his left wrist, cutting a deep laceration into the skin and tendons. Blood begins to drop and pool underneath it, as John chuckles and makes a similar cut on the opposite arm. The blood pools further as he grabs the fork and spoon plunging the spoon into his left eye, twisting and yanking until the eye flings out. He then takes the fork, poking it underneath his index fingernail and quickly pulling backwards, snapping off the nail. 
Despite the apparent pain, John grabs the pliers and holds them firmly towards his toe, clamping down and twisting on the big toe. He reels backward once more, pausing briefly, appearing to mouth the word, Drown. He grabs the boiling water and pours it along his face and upper torso as hot steam races around his body. His arms writhe in pain, but he doesn't attempt to brush the water off. Nothing occurs for approximately 30 seconds as the steam dissipates, as John remains motionless in front of his dining room table. Suddenly, he begins smiling again, and his teeth are stained red from blood. He utters another phrase, but only Shelley can be discerned. He frowns as the camera falls down, and the recording stops. A few weeks after John's death, the Foundation was able to perform a complete autopsy on his corpse. While the autopsy report did confirm several key facts about his death, several other discoveries were also uncovered. When they extracted different tissue samples for identification, they discovered the presence of several small and distinct markings along the inside of the skin and various internal scrapes along the cranium. Deeper scans of the body's skeletal remains found large, vacant tunnel systems terminating at nearly all points throughout the hands, feet, and open orifices. It appears that the added marrow and calcified shell of John's hollowed bones created the perfect ecosystem for whatever was living within. Additionally, after penetrating the hypodermis, they saw that the regular fluid filling the interstitium was completely drained. While this can be the result of rare genetic circumstances or severe external damage, this case is not believed to have resulted in any structural abnormalities to the body. Instead, analysis of tissues in the surrounding area have been found to contain a nearly invisible chitinous dust in its place. Following the autopsy, another investigation into John's phone was initiated. They found that the last application active on the device was Google Maps, en route to Shelley Lee's personal residence. Furthermore, a new message notification appeared upon device startup, from Shelley. She asks if John can call her as soon as possible, as she doesn't know who else to go to. She can't stop itching. Obviously a pretty horrifying article all around. Of course, from the onset, we as readers know that there's an anomaly involved here, and that John doesn't survive it, but it's still tragic to see everything that John goes through. Not only does he have to deal with literal bugs inside of his skeleton, but he's generally dismissed by the public as being yet another case of mental illness. Sometimes with anomalies like this, we'll get told that a Foundation AI or agent picks up information about the case, and the person gets taken into Foundation custody, but no such luck here. Shelley did an okay job in trying to deal with John, but there really was no helping him in the end, and for whatever reason that goes unexplained, it's just made her the new target for a bug hell. Our world is certainly cruel enough as it is but it's still far better than living in the SCP universe, where random people can succumb to a cruel death that only horror authors can conjure up.